Headline Hollywood. Entertainment cronies and cinema elitists hand out awards for excellence in moving pictures. Sometimes the winners don't hold up to the test of time. So we're here in the future to tell them how they got it wrong. This is Switch the Envelope. Welcome to Switch the Envelope, a podcast that aims at rewriting Hollywood award history. My name is Corey. I'm Jeff. Welcome to part two of this week's show, in which we are talking about the 1930 Best Picture category of the second annual Academy Awards. We're going way back for this one. We're going back in time. Gonna go back in time. (laughs) Gonna go way, way, way back uh, to pretty much the dawn of talking pictures uh, in... In cinema, this is this is the time when this is the first time that a talking picture gets nominated. People had back then when they had no cars, they had no no food, no water. I mean, there was this some cars back in the day. There was food. They were eating hay. Pretty sure there was water. Yeah, probably. Yeah, all of those things they had in 1929. Yeah, okay, well, I'm just trying to comprehend how long ago this was. <sighs> There were no cell phones. There were no cell phones. There was no Xbox. Skateboards hadn't been invented yet. No skateboards. <laughs> uh, to give us a little bit of no a... Buffalo Sabres. No, no Buffalo... Really? The Sabres weren't around in 29? No. No, there was, they there was hockey. In, they came in the 70s. Oh, were they a 70s team? Yeah. I, I don't know. Buffalo Sabres are Well, I'm wearing, my Sabre, I'm wearing my Sabres, Sabres socks today. Your Sabres socks. You are? Yeah. Buffalo Sabres socks. I am wearing my right. Representing the... The hometown, yeah, go ducks. Uh, Fuck ducks. Going into, <laughs> let's let's just take a glimpse. Now, this is hard uh, because of the time area and the documentation that they have for it. Uh, also, the range in which this Academy Awards was uh, presented. The selection list from this year is movies that came out between August first of twenty eight and July thirty first of twenty nine. Um, all right, let's go ahead and really dive into some of these movies that are nominated for the second annual Academy Awards Outstanding Picture category. Should we review the the sort of list before before we jump into it? Let's go over our metric. It's been a oh, while since we've done the metric. the metric. We did yeah. we had last week off basically where we just did we did the Halloween list, our top 20 uh, best horror films. If you haven't heard that one, go back and listen to it. It's yeah, really I enjoyed that immensely. I thought it was a fun, fun I had time. a blast putting together that list. I did too, and I've seen now the new Halloween Oh, yeah? I've now seen that new Halloween. So. Well, Halloween was number three on our list. Does the new <laughs> Halloween uh, reach that, that sort of level? The new Halloween does not hold up to the okay. old Halloween. I got to say that. Okay. All right. Does it hold up to any of the other Halloweens? It holds up to some, some of the oh, Halloweens, okay. yeah. Okay. I do actually, I would even say that Rob Zombie's Halloweens were better than this one. Really? Yeah. Interesting. I think, I think uh, yeah. I did, I did not enjoy Rob Zombie's Halloweens as much as I would have hoped. Yeah, that's, I would agree. You know, but they, I they were pretty underwhelming for me. But this isn't our Halloween episode. We've already done that, Jeff. Yeah, fuck that. Let's go on. Let's, let's go on uh, to talk let's about. Let's move this. on to to our uh, our nominee list or our unofficial nominee list for this year in the Academy Awards. Now, once again, we were telling you that it's unofficial because this year there was no official nominee list. Right. It's the only time it's ever happened. So we're we're wading through it, guys. <laughs> uh, the winner, Broadway, the Broadway Melody. Um, also, the al- or Just alibi. alibi. Should we start that again? Let's try it. First on the list is The Broadway Melody. Next, Alibi. Then The Hollywood Review of 1929. The Patriot. Mm-hmm. And In Old Arizona. 
Okay. Wonderful films, all of them. So here, here's the thing. Did, did you, you got a chance to, to see these, these films? Or uh, what, I did, what you can of these films? I did get a chance to see these films. I knew I wasn't going to be able to see The Patriot, and I didn't. Yeah, I saw as much as I could of the Patriot without having to like go to UCLA or like you know wherever they they're storing the the last remaining reel. Yeah, of it. and um, so I think it's I mean it's fair to say that I mean we can talk a little bit about what's about about the story maybe, sure. but really we it's not fair of us to give an assessment to, about yeah, the, the Patriot the metric, yeah. because nobody's gonna be able to go out and watch this movie. That's true. except for film students at the school that it's at. And and even then, they only get like a quarter of the film. So, yeah, you know. So um, unfortunately, the makers of the Patriot, we can't switch the envelope to you guys, man. No, you're not, you're not getting it. You know, it's it's uh, it's unfortunate because the 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 clips that I've seen make it look like it's a real epic historical piece. There are some there are some scenes in there where you look at it and go, man, this is like Gone with the Wind type, like. Scene like footage. Yeah, it's there's good. there's some really incredible like like really great like um, set piece you, you know shots in this movie that have these glorious looking matte paintings to like fill out the rest of the palace and stuff. And there's even shots in here that are like they remind me of shots that I love in movies like Citizen Kane, where they yeah. just, they show yeah. like the vastness of this palace and and I think. You know, Citizen Kane has similar shots that they probably took from movies like this. Not specifically, necessarily this movie. I mean, maybe, but you know, like there's the grand scale of the sort of the the mansion that that he lives in in Citizen Kane. Um, the, there's shots that I saw from The Patriot that are reminiscent of that, but not reminiscent of that. The, it would be that Citizen Kane is reminiscent of this movie. You know, and I thought. You know, the Citizen Kane was like breaking all this ground, and to see some of these clips from these movies, you realize like, oh yeah, yeah, like they're they're still taking inspiration from those. That yeah, because you got to think that Orson Welles had to have had people that he learned stuff from, also. Absolutely, yeah. And it's just that we don't know that until we dive into the weeds about the older movies that he right. inspired from. Right. Um, but I will say that <clears throat> uh, I don't think it's fair for us to review it, so I think we can talk about it and just move on, kind of. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a. It's a film with a synchronized soundtrack. We do need to say that it's um, not accurate to real life. It is a autobiography, or it's a biography about. <laughs> it's a biography, or it's supposed to be a biography about Tsar Paul the First of yes. Russia. And essentially, and it is not accurate. Essentially, it's it's Julius Caesar, the Shakespearean play Julius Caesar, as told through the historical context of the Russian Tsar. At that time, uh, because it's, you know, a Brutus type character that conspires with a bunch of, you know, people to kill the emperor, the king, the czar, you know, uh, because of his, um, you know, his terrible way of ruling and his overbearing dictator like rule. And he's tearing down the country. And so in order to save the country or to save their people, you know, they conspire to murder him. And that's the the essential story of this. But yeah, like for me, it was just like, oh, this is Julius Caesar. Sweet, yeah, yeah. Because in the real, in the real life story of Tsar Paul the First, mm-hmm. people just wake him up in the middle of the night, put bring him out to a dining room table, say, "Hey, abdicate your throne," and he won't. He's so like, they stab no. him. They stab him oh, they because stab the original conspiracy. Spiritor, the guy that was planning it, actually dies. He's executed before it even happens. Right. So guys just literally go into his clo- go into his room, find him hiding behind a like a curtain, probably pissing himself. Probably, uh, wouldn't you? If there's like people breaking down your door and like absolutely, and so they kill him, and then they 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 declare that 
Alexander the first mm-hmm. is now czar of Russia. And that's how this story kind of happened. That's the real story. The real, the real. The this real, one's, real. This one's a lot more. He's they, and and also this czar Paul first is only I think czar for like five years in real life. <laughs> well, he's such a terrible person. They were yeah. like, all right, fuck this guy, get him out. <laughs> in this in this movie, they make him out to these this mad king who's yeah. like just always this sinister mad guy who's just in in real life he was like a kind of a mama's boy who didn't really know how to rule. Right. So it's a little different. Yeah, I mean, by all accounts that I've read, um, the actor that plays Paul Czar, or the Czar Paul the first, um, Emil Jannings, um, he puts on like a powerhouse performance as this mad king, you know. But even then, like some of the clips that we were able to see, it is very much that like silent film era, you know, big gestures and yeah. you know, like he's the women that put their hands up and. Ah! Yeah, you know, there's 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 a, a bit of that. Um, so I I don't know. I would have liked to have seen this movie because it, I mean I, <clears throat> like the whole Julius Caesar storyline of it and like the betrayal and then there's mistresses and like all this kind of stuff and I I think that that would have had a lot of layers to it that would have been interesting as a watch. But you know, we we unfortunately this movie has been lost to time. So. Let's go over a metric and go over the right. go over the movies that we will go over, which okay. is the four remaining. So mo- moving into the, the remaining four, how does our metric break down, Jeff? Okay, so on the Switch the Envelope rating system, mm-hmm. the scientific rating system. Patented five-finger rating system. Uh, a movie will get one finger from us if we decide that it is timeless. Yeah, and, and with these movies, uh, it's really like, does it appeal classically? Yeah, can we can you we know? still can can we see the story through it? Can we see how it can yeah. translate? Now, obviously, we know a lot of these movies are not technologically, um, yeah, relevant relevant today. <laughs> we know that you have to see them through the lens of uh, uh, historical record. Yes. Yeah. You can't look at them and go, hey, I'm in the mood for a silent film. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, you could. Yeah. Someone could. But I mean, that's very small population. We know it's not a general consensus of these movies. I mean, never mind. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah. I mean, we, we're really looking more at sort of like, are the themes relevant? Are the, um, like, can you watch it and still be in, like, like compelled by it? You know, you know, yeah. And, some, some, and some a couple of these movies actually are. I mean, I think these, some of these are timeless. I agree. I completely agree. Which brings us to our, our second... Um, scoring finger would which would be is the story compelling you know it is were you captivated from start to finish were you invested in the characters did you care about what was happening at the end did you know the story complete itself for you you know all that kind of stuff and the uh we also give it a third finger if the movie is well cast mm-hmm. yeah if the ensemble is good which is good to it's actually good to look at these films this way because most of us don't remember or don't not not don't remember we don't know any of these <laughs> Don't know any of these guys. We don't know yeah. any of their other work. See, all we know is what they put on screen. Yeah, yeah, which is great. It's a great way to to look at a film and actually judge it basically on, or judge it only on what we're seeing on the film in front of us. I just said that terribly wrong. But <laughs> I know what you were saying, and I completely agree. I completely agree. Yeah, like we, we only get this movie's performance to judge most of these, these yes. actors. The performance in front of us is the only way we, we are get. able to see what they are truly putting out there for us to see. Yes. Uh, the fourth level of scoring, the the other fingers, the fourth finger, fourth finger, if you will. Uh, would you watch this multiple times? Does it hold up to multiple viewings? Like, would you want to like go back and revisit this film again? All these movies are really hard for this one. I'm just gonna say. I agree. I, I've, I would agree, but there is a 
There is a uh, one or two that I would that would uh, I would consider watching again because they were pretty good. Okay. Or if it was on, I wouldn't shut it off. I'd be like, oh, this movie, you know, like I was I was pretty impressed by some some of these movies after. All right, them. all right. Yeah. You know, we should actually have a threshold on these. Like, we should be like, okay, if this one gets a third finger, that that's a good that's good for three fingers is good for these movies. I mean, I think four, like usually five fingers is the the sort of like outstanding for this because. There's so many because like multiple viewings and like I think timeless. Those finger, are really hard to get and not be like fronting on a movie. Yeah, I mean, from, come on. From these old ones, a four finger would be like really good. Yeah, I think, you know. Yeah, and um, the last one, the 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 coveted five finger. In order to get the coveted five finger, you need to be able to recommend this movie to a third party. Yeah. So if you see this movie and you go, "Damn, I gotta, I gotta tell somebody about this movie." I mean, if, if the conversation in this context, if the conversation veers to early cinema, would one of these pictures be one where you're like, "Oh, if you like old movies, you got to see this old movie." Yeah, because oftentimes when you're look, when you're talking with someone, and you talk about early cinema, it doesn't go back this far. So if if all, the only thing we do on this um, episode is get you to have these movies in the conversation, then we've accomplished what we've started out to do so um awesome so let's get into the movies so we're going to first talk about um i think my favorite on the list uh in old arizona in old arizona we're starting with the western because i love westerns I, i do like westerns as as well um in old arizona was um it's a really good film I really liked it. I enjoyed the hell out of this and film. And now I gotta say, when I saw this movie, I first watched. I actually watched this movie a while ago. Mm-hmm. I first watched um, like the first beginning of the week, so it's hard for me to remember. But when I first watched it, I had watched um, Wings from the first from the Academy 80s? Award. Oh, oh, the movie Wings. The movie Wings from the first Academy Awards. So I was really curious about the movie that had won the very first Academy Award. Yeah. And discovered that it was the first on-screen on male kiss. Oh. No, you know that? Look at you, Hollywood, yeah. pushing yeah. boundaries in yeah. 1928. Right, right. <laughs> um, apparently, it was just a kiss between two men, but back then they didn't think about those issues. But it was just it's just interesting that that was first on-screen male kiss. But to watch that movie, which one best picture, and then to watch um, this one? In, in old Arizona specifically? In old Arizona. Uh-huh. The difference between these two movies is dramatic. dramatic the difference between in, in good or in good oh, okay. the difference between the the way it's shot uh-huh. the difference between sound the difference between um the storyline right it is fascinating to see how much they developed the the um developed into a modern film right. in just like 3 years right <laughs> it's yeah. insane yeah, it's it's pretty crazy. The entire time I was watching this, I was like, this movie could have come out like in the Western heyday. This could have come out in like the fifties. Yeah, like, and nobody would know the difference. It, nobody would have known the difference. It it's uh, it's got um, really good characters. It's shot on location. This is actually one of the first. It, it, no, I think it is the first sound movie to be shot outdoors, where they 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 recorded the audio and everything from. Outdoors. And as I'm watching, I can just see there's a director off stage with the old timey chair and the yeah. big megaphone. Oh yeah, absolutely. I can totally see it. Yeah, he's got like spats on or some shit like yeah <laughs> so awesome um yeah like to to be able to to go out into actual elements and film this movie and it be coherent <laughs> sound wise you know like there were some people that were like top of their game sound wise to to make this movie happen uh and that's really fascinating um but there's there's a good guy there's a bad guy like it, it follows all of those western things the singing cowboy thing that i was worried about 
is really not a big thing in this. It's just a he's an outlaw that happens to sing occasionally, but it isn't made a big deal. He just sort of like sometimes picks up guitar, fiddles around on it, and sings. Um, sort of like you know when when he's like you know dicking around with with his his mistress. <laughs> You know, he like sort of you put that. he sort of sings sings her a little song or whatever, but it isn't it isn't like you know what we've come to what we will come to know as the singing cowboy, where it's just like a musical set in the West. <laughs> yeah, you know. Now we're gonna go into jaunty little song, yep. and you're supposed to think that I'm a cool sharpshooter, you know, cowboy. Oh man, over the last couple of days, I still haven't seen. Uh... Three Amigos. Ah, ah, for another thing. After this. New episode all about Three Amigos. <laughs> all about Coming Three Amigos. Um, yeah, I, I, really like, I really like this movie. Um, it, it, had, uh, it had a good uh, sort of point of view. Um, the Cisco Kid. There's a really nice sequence, too, in this movie where um, the Cisco Kid, uh, you know, he, he's just robbed a stagecoach. He's, he's just gotten the Wells Fargo box. He didn't rob any of the people in the box because, you know, he's a nice guy. Um, and uh, he does what any outlaw would but do. But it's kind of it's kind of a Robin Hood story. A little bit. Um, he he does really what any outlaw, you know, rough and tumble outlaw in the old west would do after uh, you know, scoring a, a big uh, pile of cash. He gives himself a spa day. <laughs> <laughs> he goes and he gets a shave and a haircut, and then has a bath drawn for him. And there's this cool moment where like nobody knows that he's the Cisco kid. The barber uh, sort of tells him that, you know, like, oh, my money was on that box. And he he's like, you know what? I feel bad for you. I'm going to hook you up. I just came into some money. And he sort of gives that guy his money back, you know, um, which, you know, is a really cool character moment for him. And then, the, like, the marshal or whatever, the guy that's hunting the Cisco kid comes in while he's in the bath and is talking about the Cisco kid. And he's in the other room. And there's this really wonderful sort of cinematic moment where, you know, like, oh, will, will it be revealed? And then, like, they have this dance for the rest of the movie where they're trying to figure out, like, who the Cisco kid is as he's, like, uncovering clues as to who it might be and then discovers, like, oh, you were just shaking hands with the Cisco kid? And he's like, wait a minute, that was the guy? You know, like, the that whole play between the good guy, bad guy element of it is is really good. And there's there's a real gray area between, like, who's really the good guy, who's really the bad guy? You know, um, that's that's something that gets lost in a lot of modern cinema even. You know, it's like very clear cut, especially in Westerns. You know, it's like black hat, white hat. Black hat uh, is a bad cowboy and he does evil things. White hat cowboy is virtuous and he does all the good things. And there's no real like character development beyond mm-hmm. that. Yeah. This movie has a real rich character development for both sides uh, of, of this sort of uh, coin that, that we're, we're playing with. It's, it's really good. I, I don't know. I enjoy this movie a lot. It was good. Also, just to throw it out there, we um, Edmund Hansen is actually the guy that was responsible for the sound engineering. Edmund Hansen, shout and out he to actually that was, dead dude. <laughs> and he was actually nominated, I think, for 14, 14 films for best sound design for his for his lifetime. Yeah, good on him, man. Yeah, he 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 conquered filming outside. Like that's by the awesome. way, including a movie called In Old Chicago. There's <laughs> <laughs> a common theme through old Edmund's. Uh, <laughs> lifetime in his filmography <laughs> so let, let's let's run in old arizona let's stop waxing poetically about this movie and let's run it through our metric all right is it a timeless film um i think this is one of the only films on here that is timeless really yeah i think it's one of the only ones that i could watch now and it still feel watchable i i think from our eyes without having to put ourselves in the lens of a 1920s viewer mm. I think this one still holds up. I, I would say that there's there's a couple on this list that that hold up. 
Well, what about this one? But this one, like like we would just mentioned, like you could you could they could have made this shit in the fifties and we wouldn't have known. known so the do difference. you think this one holds up? Absolutely. All right. Yeah. Like there's some really good modern film techniques that happen in this. There's some really good storytelling techniques that happen in this. Um that really just kind of keep it and as this was as going, just a movie. Like it's not an old movie. It's just a movie that happens to be in black and white. You know, like it's it doesn't feel like it's like a super old movie. You know, as we were watching, or as I was watching this, I was thinking um, the whole time I was like, the the quote from Stand by Me was running in my head, mm. where he pulls out the gun and he goes, "Do you want to be the long lo- Lone Ranger or the Cisco Kid?" The whole time that was going, <laughs> yeah. Oh man, and this movie has has a like a really really cool. Twi- I mean, kind of a twist at the end. Kind of. Um, spoiler alert: if you have if you haven't seen this movie from 1929, um, th- there's this play where the Cisco kid, played by Warren Baxter, um, intercepts a letter that his mistress is is sending to the sort of Marshall guy, uh, betraying him, and he flips it on her by sending a another note that says that he's going to be wearing her clothes to get away tonight and so when the guy comes to sharpshoot the cisco kid down he ends up killing his girlfriend well throughout the story the girlfriend the reason why she's betraying the cisco kid is because she's fallen in love with this marshal so the marshal kills this woman that he's planning to run away with and marry it's such a like it's everything that that swirls in together when he makes that shot like i when i was watching this movie i went oh yeah (laughs) you know and i was surprised to be affected by a, a movie that is such an old piece of cinema in such a, a way that I'm affected by movies today. You know, that's sort of the magic of, of movie making, you know? Anytime you can lose yourself in the movie, it's they've accomplished their job. A lot of times these old movies, you can't lose yourself in them. Yeah, it's hard because it's so dated or it's so, like, like the things that they're talking about or their accents or their acting style takes you way out of it. Yeah. Um, but this movie was was did it really well. It was compelling, absolutely. If moving on to our second our second uh, piece, was the story compelling? Absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I think it was. It was the, there's there's a bit of the like his mistress falling in love with the Marshall guy um, that didn't like it could have been worked a little better. You wanted to see a sex scene? No, 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 not not a I sex scene. I think you want to see a sex scene, but like the the sort of like them falling in love with each other could have been sold a little harder. Um, and I think if this movie were to be remade today, that would be the only thing that you'd really have to like really change is like how their relationship blossoms. Well, I believe that if you're going to abandonment, because like it, it would have worked better. This is my only fix. If she meets that Marshall before the Cisco kid comes back and they start flirting, whatever, and they're developing this relationship because she feels like the Cisco kid, he goes off, he does his bullshit cowboy, you know, stuff. And then he only comes back. To, to be with me when it's convenient to him. I need something more. And then she finds this military guy and um, they have this playful relationship and then they end up falling in love. That gives her more motivation to betray the Cisco kid. And I think that would make it stronger, but honestly, it's a bit of a quibble. You know, it's it's ti- tiny change for what this movie does uh, in all. It's a 90-year-old movie, man. I know, Let it go. I know, Let it go. I know. I know. <laughs> no, I'm just saying, if it were to be remade, what I was saying I is that what I was trying what I was going to say is that mm-hmm. if you're going to remake a movie in Hollywood, which they're doing at remaking everything, mm-hmm. why would you remake a movie from 10 years ago when you can remake a movie from 90 years ago? Right. Like in old Arizona. In old Arizona. Probably change the title cuz it's a terrible title, but yeah. No, man, that's a good that's a good old western mo- title. <laughs> there it doesn't roll off the tongue very. In old well. Arizona, that's perfect. It's yeah. it's very old-timey. Yeah. I like it. Let's I like on. it. Next next on our on our, our metric. Uh does the movie hold or is the movie well cast? Uh, eh. I don't know if any of these movies are well cast that much. They've got a lot of stage I mean, performances. 
There's some really terrible accents in this movie. Yeah. Um, I don't particularly think the guy who won for best actor. Uh, the Cisco kid himself? The Cisco kid himself. Warren, is, Warren Baxter? Warren Baxter. I don't really think he's that great, actually. I mean, he's compelling. Like, he's, he's, he's like, you want to watch him on screen, so I guess that you got to give him points for that. I mean, it's a little bit of the uh, appropriation going yeah. on. I mean, I, I mean, it's just a little. It's a little like bit I said, of some of the accents. Are old, pretty, pretty it's terrible. a little old Hollywood uh, racism in there. Yeah. But I mean, do we judge it on that? Because no, that's a real but, modern. No, if we're judging it just judgment? based on the time that happened, in, yeah. he's still not that good, at, that compelling at right. uh, playing a uh, Mexican bad guy. Well, he's he's uh, he's like Portuguese or something like that. They they mentioned. I thought he was. They, no? they sort of like talk away his his bad accent by um, saying that he wants to escape with her to Portugal or something like that. That doesn't mean he's Portuguese. No, 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 that's that's where he's from. He wants to go back to his homeland. Oh, I missed that. Yeah. <clears throat> All right. Um, I don't know. I I would give it half a point. Okay. Ha- half a point. So we've got. Uh, let's see the last one. No, we got two two more to do. Would, what? Multiple viewings. Multiple viewings. Would you watch this movie again? No, no. You saw it the one time. And I, I I wouldn't go. I just being honest about a movie. Sure. I wouldn't watch it again. Uh, I mean, I'm going to disagree with you. If this movie showed up again, uh, and I had the opportunity to see it, I would. I would absolutely. No, but that's not. I mean, would you go back to the well and watch this? Is this a movie that compels you to go back no, 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 and watch is, it? This is. Does it hold up to multiple viewings? Like, would you like? Would you enjoy seeing it again? Yeah, I know, but yeah. you're, it can't be like eh, if I'm on my couch and like you know it comes on, I'd watch it. That can't be it. It has to be like you'd go back and watch this movie. Would you go back to the well and go, I, yeah, man, this is in there? If it's in a I collection like, of movies, I like the movie in your lot. house, if it's, you got all these Blu-rays, right? And in old Arizona is one of them, and you've got like Ghostbusters next to it. Sure. Are you going for in old Arizona? I mean, if I'm in, if I'm in the like if I'm in the mood, well, uh, see, I'm, by myself, probably not. If I'm, this kind of goes, bleeds into the next one, like, would you recommend it? Like, if, if, like, my kid gets into movies the way that I got into movies, um, and then we, you know, we liked Western genres, to, you know, and we... I think you're putting an asterisk on this we, just to get, just to it. get it. I'm just saying, I would, I would be like, oh, you want to see, like, a good old movie that's also a Western? This would be a movie. Like, I would recommend it. Maybe multiple viewings, we don't give it a point, I guess. Yeah, I, I wouldn't put it, because I'm not going to go back and watch it just for that's fun. That's fine, that's fine. <clears throat> but I did enjoy it. Uh, I would recommend it. I would, I would recommend it as well, yeah, absolutely. As, especially as an early era Western, you know, like, yeah. But absolutely. did we give it a good cast? Is it well cast? It's, it's half half well cast. Half well cast. Okay, so we've got a uh, one, two, and three and a half. Three, and a, three and a half for that one. Three and a half. See, I was saying that a, a really good movie would be like a three. A four, I'm saying. A four is outstanding. Yeah, so, <clears throat> yeah. All right, so next on the list, let's go to, let's just get it out of the way, but the Broadway review of 1929. <clears throat> okay, let's rapid fire this one. Yeah. It's not uh, timeless. A movie, so, no. Actually, you know what? You know what? Timeless. It is timeless. Shit. It might this get a better timeless score than movie. It deserves. This is a timeless movie because when I saw Joan Crawford singing at a young age, I could watch that all day. Sure. So honestly, yeah. it's timeless. Yeah, I mean, see, seeing and in the fact, best now that I best. know it's there, I would go back and YouTube this all day long. See, but I think it's it's better in clips. You know, like if you want to just go see that one performance or that one thing, like the yeah, movie but dude, itself, timeless. This is timeless. This is something you would go back. I bet you, of all the things we put up here, going to see Laurel and Hardy do a skit, yeah. or or a performance, and then seeing 
all these people that are just, you know the name, but you don't really know them, and going back and watching them on YouTube, this is what somebody's going to go back for. I mean, we could give it a, we could give it a point, but it's a bit of a cheat because it's... The whole movie's a bit of a cheat. That's what I'm saying. It's a bit of a cheat, but go All right. ahead and give, give it a point. Is, does it have a story that's compelling? No. no. <laughs> it's not compelling. No, because there's no there's story. There's no story. Yeah. All right. Is it well cast? Well, yeah, yeah. Every single person in the film. Everybody in it is a great star, and they're doing great numbers, and yeah. Um, does it hold up to multiple viewings? Yeah. <laughs> you can see I can see this multiple times. No. You could what? You're telling me you can't go back and watch I'm not, I'm Buster never, Keaton I'm never going, multiple times? I'm never going to deliberately watch this movie. Really? No. I would go back to, no, I would go back and watch the performances from this again, all the time. Again, it's a bit of a cheat. <laughs> Because it's just vignettes of performances. So, like, yeah, in the YouTube generation that we live in now, sure, going back and seeing like little snippets of this movie is is perfectly acceptable. The the multiple viewings of it there, yeah, but come on, man. It's not a real movie. It's not a movie, but you know what? I would see it multiple times. <laughs> half, half a point. Okay, half a point. And then would you recommend it? No. I would go by telling people, hey, if you want to see Joan Crawford or if you want to see Buster Keaton, you want to see Laurel and Hardy, this great thing that they did in the 20s called, uh, what's it called? Uh, Movie Review. The Hollywood Review. The Hollywood Review. Of 1929. Of 1929. Fine, whatever. It gets three fucking fingers. (laughs) Three fucking fingers, I'm just being honest, man. Whatever. Let's, Let's move on. It's not a movie. Uh, let's move on to Alibi. Alibi, great picture. It's a fun picture. Yeah, I like this one. I wouldn't one. say great, um, good. This movie lacks... for the time, I think it's actually a great picture. Yeah. The opening scene of the guys oh, in the jail, the sound design is great. The is sound and the awesome. filming of it, yeah, is yeah. really good. It's it's noir. It's it really takes. They're, the, they're just uh, smacking their nightsticks uh, against the wall. Effect. Yeah, the the it's sound great. The 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 sort of rhythmic way that they use natural sounds to create the soundscape of the the sort of like what would be the overture of the this this picture is really nice yeah the night six clanging the bars shutting the whistle the the police whistles there's that opening sequence where the guy gets shot and the officer gets shot and um the the police whistles to alert all the other police in the area yeah, you know, around them that like, yo, some shit's going down. Alert, 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 alert. The way that they they do the echoes and the the levels of all those police whistles is so well done. It is very well done. Um, I almost felt like I was listening to it in in a surround sound, even though it's mono. Like it was so well crafted that um, they did a, a really good job from a technical aspect of this movie. Where I have an issue is there's no point of view to this movie. There's no like character that you that you follow and are, are that care about their entire arc. You get like introduced to characters and you follow them along for a little while and then they go away and then you follow another character for a little while like it it's too segmented as far as like character is driven like or a, a character wise um in this movie and it's really just showing you a bunch of things that are happening to a bunch of people there's no real like line that goes through this movie and i don't, I don't I, agree with that i think that i think you're me. you're uh i think the whole time you're following chick williams is that his name chick williams but you're not because there's also the undercover cop um, guy. Uh, what's his name? Um, Regis Toomey plays him. Uh, Danny. He plays Danny, who's an undercover cop, and he plays this like cool, this really cool character who's drunk all the time. He's like fake drunk all the time, and he's always just kind of doing this thing. And it's, I I liked it. Um, I thought he was, I, I thought that guy was so I bad. Know, you thought it was so snooping. bad. 
it was like so cliche. There's a bit. Well, but it's not cliche back then. That's the problem. Is like it's it's so early in cinema that it's not a cliche yet. You know, people are basing the cliched performances off of stuff like this. Yeah, but when you know, the thing is, is that the cliche performance is Cagney, James Cagney. Well, sure, but Cagney's not going to do that for another decade or two. No, 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 no. He's not. Yeah, that, he's, no, it's he's like five gonna, years later. He's not four gonna, or five years. He's not going to do it until well into the thirties, at least. Yeah, it's like five years later. This is nineteen thirty. No, but this movie was made in twenty eight. So like, he's he's going to hit that stride and really popularize that characterization of the hey, see, you know, like that that whole gangster persona but even then he's not doing the drunk undercover cop he's doing the gangster side of it yeah but this guy wasn't like a famous actor this guy was just like a bit part in this movie uh regis toomey you know he he has um he, he had a long career he was, he was in like 180 films but he was you know whatever he he actually holds a, a record it's, it's interesting he holds a record for um, the worst performance ever made no for the longest screen kiss for three minutes and five seconds um in the movie you're in the army he shares the kiss with Jane Wyman, um, and it's the longest on-screen kiss with with Jane Wyman and Regis Toomey. It's kind of interesting. Um, little little fun fact, or maybe maybe Al wants to put that into his his useless <laughs> facts if you want to cut this part out of it. Um, <laughs> but you know he had he had a pretty pretty good career. He's he's a, he's a decent character actor. Um, you know, uh, I, I he visited I, the White House. He did. I enjoyed I enjoyed his performance uh, a lot. You know. Um, but the, uh, there's this scene, okay, the scene in which like this movie spins into this really nice, more modern feel is when he walks into that room. Now, the performances within within the scene are a little lacking, but there's the scene where he walks in the, into the room and he's made as an undercover police officer by our main gangster chick, right? And the the henchmen are closing in on him. And there's this POV shot that goes from each henchman and then back to Regis Toomey and then to the each henchman as they get a little closer and a little closer. And there was this, this real effective suspense moment in that movie where, where that happens. The other moments uh, that could have been shot with that care are shot a little more flat, like the the death scenes and the, you know, the end chase sequence and all that kind of stuff. Like you could have been like a more modern take would would streamline a little bit of that. And build those moments a little more, but that's that's like the centerpiece of this movie, where it's like, oh, now we're making a movie. But you what know? kills this movie are the death scenes. The death scenes. All are of the death terrible. scenes are terrible. All the death scenes are terrible. terrible. How Regis Toomey, how he dies is uh, terrible. I mean, he's, oh, he has like an eight minute death scene. He gets but shot. he doesn't do the acting is awful. Oh, yeah, and then the way that, that yeah. chick, the way chick dies off a building. Oh yeah, he spoiler jumps. alert. Spoiler <laughs> alert. Chick falls off a fucking building, he jumps and they don't from even, one. and they don't even. It's not like dramatic at all. He's like, no. I'm gonna jump from one building to another, and I'm like 300 stories up. It is he the, jumps and he just misses. It is the well, he doesn't miss. He gets it, loses his balance, and falls backwards in between the. But buildings. it's so quick, you don't even. It's like I'm landing, I'm falling, falling backwards, and I'm then there's dead. an edit. Yeah, oh, there's a yeah. really terrible edit where they throw and a he dummy. Just falls. <laughs> it is fucking stupid. I think it's actually an animation because it's all. Like the, the, it's all matte painting behind him to to show in between the the two buildings, and I think they do like an animated. When I was watching, body. it, I was like, "That that's it, like yeah. that's it. That was the, that was stupid." Yeah, and then it's like as soon as he dies, my voice was that high. Yeah, as soon as he dies, they just go, "Well, <laughs> he's dead. Justice is served." And then credits. Yeah, <laughs> it's no, like, it's so dumb. What? <laughs> that's the end of the movie. Yeah, it's it's pretty bad. The death scenes are really really bad. Yeah, but uh, anyway, let's um, let's run it through our metric. 
before I, I go on and on about how, how much I love the subtlety of Eleanor Griffith as, as Joan, the daughter who marries Chick. She, she's... You know, she probably is dead right now. She, oh, she's very dead. Um, but she... she like, R.I.P. She brings a real like subtlety to her acting amongst a bunch of people who are doing like theater acting that is um was quite refreshing as the sort of like brooding daughter of a police chief. You know, and she's like, this, and when we haven't talked about this, is kind of a Romeo and Juliet ish story. It's like she's the daughter, she's the daughter kind of a police of, chief. Yeah. She marries a, or she's going after a, a crime boss who yeah. doesn't really tell her he's a crime boss. Yeah. He's like the honest. He's trying to be honest. So it's kind of a Romeo and Juliet story. A little bit, except she doesn't die. No, he does. Yeah, he does. So it is still a tragedy. You know, I mean, it's a little bit, you know, it's a stretch, but it's a little bit. A little bit. Wrapped in film noir and yeah. not all of the components. <laughs> but it is like, on its face, I bet you that's probably where they were trying to take it. Might have been, yeah. Let's run it through the metric. Is it timeless? No. I think the story is timeless. Mm, I don't I think mean, the movie is. Oh, okay, so the themes of... I think you could take this exact same story. You know what? You can take this exact same story, make a movie today, Yeah. make it... And if it, if it was shot better, it would be a great movie. Uh, it would be a pretty pretty good movie. I mean, I, I enjoyed this movie as it was. There was some themes of, like, police corruption and, like, planting evidence on people to, like, get convictions. But back then, that, like, was just, that was just business as usual. No, but I'm saying, like, we're dealing with that kind of theme today. So, like, if you brought this movie kind of as is to now, just sort of modernized it through time. Yeah, but the thing is, the theme, is that... The theme would still be relevant today. But you know? the main villain, Chick is not a nice guy. No, he's not. It sort of undercuts. It's weird because like this whole this whole theme that they're setting up in the beginning where like uh, police are corrupt and they have terrible tactics for trying to get convictions and, and arrests and all that kind of stuff. Um like they they get real heavy-handed on that with with Jones character specifically. And then all the people that they're they're going after with planting evidence and stuff turn out to be dirtbag people anyway. So it just yeah. undercuts that whole <laughs> <laughs> the whole point, but yeah, you know. And then the ending. I mean, the quote that he says after killing the one guy, killing uh, who's that? What's his name? Um, Danny. Danny. After killing Danny, he says to them, "I never give a cop an, an even break," mm-hmm. and he mm-hmm. shoots him. So you know, it's it's not exactly. He's not a redeeming character at all. No. So when you have police corruption, it doesn't make it better when the guy is actually an asshole. That's that's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. like it it totally undercuts that whole message of like you cops. Yeah, you're terrible. You know, like, oh, we're just doing our job. Like, you're that's not your job. You're overstepping your 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 bounds. You know, and then when their tactics are, are are shitty, you know, but their tactics end up getting the right guy. Like, ugh, it's sort of a, it's, yeah. it's a it's a hard sell, you know, to find what side. And that's where like the point of view of this movie is what missed me a little bit, and what keeps it from being sort of a timeless thing. Is that but like, that's kind of the really that's kind of the undercurrent of the movie Crash that you don't like. Yeah, and Crash is a terrible film. Yeah, but that's that's kind of what the Crash is about. I mean, but also not timeless. <laughs> <laughs> so you don't give a point for timeless. I, I, wouldn't, I wouldn't really I wouldn't. either. So, um, so okay, no so story okay. compelling. Yeah. yeah, really. I mean, I I watched it and I was engaged. Yeah, I was disappointed in parts of it, and tried to not see it as you know like oh this really feels like an old movie at parts. You know, but like, yeah, I was interested to see how they got to Chick or like when, like how the undercover cop Danny was going to like factor into it and like whether or not Joan was going to okay, give him yeah, away, I see that. you know, okay, because she point. finds out early that he's an undercover cop and then sort of just keeps it quiet around all of her friends who okay, are I'll give it a point. wrapped up. Was it well cast? Yeah, I liked, uh, yeah. 
I like the characters. I, I like, mean, I like the actors for the most part. There's a few uh, Maybush. There's a few side characters that, um, you know, we're over over overacting a ton. But I think the I think the the undercover cop is the worst actor. I think his death scene is terrible. But all of his like undercover work as yeah. the drunk guy, I was engaged completely. Does the mo- movie hold up to multiple viewings? Nah. Nah, I don't need to see this movie again. There are far yeah. better, especially when you get into the Cagney era of mobster movies, you know, like when it starts to sing. But I know? think for a lot Not of people, sing, like, this really genre, find its stride. this ro- genre is big for a lot of people. I think mm. this is good in the genre. Mm. For mm. me, it's not. Yeah, I don't need to see the movie again. Would you recommend this movie? I wouldn't, so. Yeah, probably not. No, I mean, like, it's cool that I saw it, but I, if somebody hadn't seen it, I'd be like, yeah, it's, you, you're right, because it's not one that <clears throat> is going to make a lot of lists. So, uh, two fingers. Two? Two? Not, not two and a half? Two? No, it's just two. Two solid fingers. Well, that's unfortunate, because it's definitely better than the broad review of 29, but... <laughs> <laughs> All right, and last on We've our list... we established, though, the Broadway review of 29 is a cheat. It's a cheat. It's, it's a cheat. It's, it's a, a cheater. Cheat. It's a three with an asterisk. It's a fucking cheater. It's on, it's on performance-enhancing, you know, drugs. Uh, the last one, it's Barry Bonds of of uh, what is this movies of movies. Uh, the last one on our list, the one that actually won, the only official nominee and winner, <laughs> <laughs> is uh, the Broadway Melody. Okay, well, is it timeless? Oh, see now this movie. <sighs> now I think we can't mm. rate. The, I think it's difficult to rate this one because we're mm, not seeing movie. it the way people are. Actually I don't know. It. It's just a sequence that's in color. It's a gimmicky piece. I think it's fine. You don't. It doesn't. It doesn't affect the story or anything. Okay. Like well, that. what if Wizard yeah. of Oz was not? That's different, though, right? Because the being in color, going to a new magical world, is a big part of the movie. Like that's a big jump from the sort of like dream world. But you're making an argument to, without ever seeing the, the other real world way. or the real world to the dream world. You're not seeing the original way. So you can't, I'm saying that it's hard to make that argument when you've never seen the original but way. But I'm saying the intent of the filmmakers was that like, oh, we're going to use color as a character basically in this movie. You know, in Broadway Review, they did a sequence in color, but none of this movie says, oh, I need to see this in color for it to really like have an impact. You know what I mean? All right. And I think that's where we would draw, we would draw those lines where, you know, like you talk about you know, where a city becomes a, a character. Which, if, surprisingly, this is the first one where they use New York's character. They do, yeah. This is the first movie that um, did that. Yeah, and, it, and it's it's set in Broadway. Though, speaking of, you know, like the sound design of the alibi, the sound design at the beginning of this film is also outstanding. They sort of pan into a window of a publishing, music publishing uh, company. And um, there's this bustle of this office where just everybody's working on a song. Yeah, everybody's... Um, pub, you know, like trying to write different melodies and all that kind of stuff. And there's this like this audio that consumes you once you get into this office that's really, really nice, really well well put together. And and I love how, you know, the sound designers of this era really latched on quickly to the use of sound and how they could, you know, exploit sound in cinema. Um, this is another one that does it really well. Aside from the fact that it's a musical. And so they're also orchestrating a soundtrack to lip sync and all that kind of stuff. You know, but so is it timeless? Is it timeless? Mm. I think it is. I think if you put it in as put it in the historical concept of being the first musical by MGM, it's significant. Yes, yeah. it's a significant film and All it's right. timeless. Give it a point. But there's a there's some me too. 
in this movie. That goes to our. That's not timeless. That is, uh, is it compelling? I mean, ooh. but honestly, in the the fact that this woman does not do what the guy's making her do, fantastic, fantastic. But then she runs into the arms of the guy that's trying to steal her away from her sister. Okay, and also, you know what? If this was, if every movie wasn't the Me Too movement, then you know what? Fucking. Uh, Fifty Shades of Grey wouldn't fucking been made. Fifty Shades of Grey is a terrible movie. It's a terrible. It's not only a terrible movie. It's a terrible movie against women. Yes. If that guy was broke, he would have been fucking arrested. I don't understand why women like this movie. I don't understand why women who are all into the Me Too movement love the fucking Fifty Shades of Grey. Why? Because he married her. I, he was fucking like whatever. I, I don't understand. He's a fuck dip. that movie. But the guy in this character, Eddie, who who writes the Broadway melody, he is dating and proposes to. Hank, the older sister in this movie, the very beginning of this movie, and they are dating, I guess. I mean, it's whatever. But the entire time he's trying to corner uh, Queenie, her sister, her younger, hotter sister. He's trying to corner her and like profess his love for her and like make moves on her and stuff. And it's a real douchebag move. And at the end, when she doesn't go with the, the sort of Jacques Warner guy, um, when she rightfully refuses his like sexual advances because he gave her a bunch of gifts, um, they corral her into Eddie's arms, and it's like Eddie doesn't deserve her either. He's a skis. Like fuck that. He's more of a more of a um, more deserves her than the guy that tried to sure, but convince her to be with her because he bought her a bunch of stuff. He's not much better. He's not much better. He you know like poor Hank in this movie doesn't get the love that she deserves. You know yeah. they don't even give her like another. Like character to redeem the fact that she got her heart. Well, in the sequel, or like any kind of like she's not even she doesn't even like go on to better success. Yeah, but in the she's, sequel, she no, goes in back the, to being a traveling. No, dude, in the girl, sequel like that weird. I made in my head, <laughs> the one that I made up, that I've written on fan fiction, hashtag fan fiction that Jeff wrote. It's a uh, the Broadway Melody two colon uh, Port Sex of Call, the City Mannequins Port of Call <laughs> New Orleans. <laughs> uh, All right, is, is so the story compelling is the story compelling? I think it is a compelling story. <sighs> I, it was up until uh, like the last act, and then I was just like, "Fuck this movie!" Like I don't care about like this doesn't make sense. You know, I was in it when the girls were coming to New York and they were trying to make their impact and they were fighting for their place in the chorus and on a show and all that kind of stuff. And the you know the people not wanting to give them their break and all that kind of stuff. I was with it there. And then when it just turns into a like, "You're not going to date that guy." Yes, I am. And her boyfriend being like, I want to fuck you. And she's like, no, don't you, you're in love with my sister. And she's like, no, I love you. And then the way it all breaks down, it just, just disintegrated for me. So I, I don't know. I was not compelled the entire way through. So half a point. Okay. And was it a well, is it, was it well cast? I actually think of all the movies, this one had the best cast. That was actually, I think top to bottom, the ensemble was, was really good. Yeah. It was, it was, they were more cohesive with each other. Absolutely. They didn't act as uh old timey, as all the other ones did. There was really good chemistry between the two sisters. Um, I believed that they were sisters. You know, there was uh, there was really good. Yeah, it was well cast, impeccably cast. Does the movie hold up to multiple viewings? No, I wouldn't watch this movie again. Yeah, I wouldn't either. I no, I, I wouldn't. And would you recommend the movie? I mean, in regards to, like, like you said, it's the first, like, of the musicals. Sure, I would recommend it. Like, but. As a movie, no. 
Yeah, I don't think I'd recommend it. I don't think I'd go to somebody and say, even though even the, the fact that it was a musical, that's the first musical from MGM, I don't think I'd recommend that the people go watch it. No. I don't think it was good enough. I don't know. So no point there? Yeah, no point. Okay. So Plus, we- it's got a, and it bugs me, it's got that early movie uh, air about it, the shh. Oh yeah, and it drives me crazy. It, well, that's because the the equipment was incredibly loud. Yeah, I know it was just yeah. so fucking loud, and it just bothers Filming me. Filming equipment, and that's what was what was interesting about the um like in old Arizona too is, I didn't notice that as much, and I wonder probably because they're shooting outside. Well, yeah, because because they were shooting outside, there's a lot more just like atmospheric sound. Yeah, that that you know a lot of um you know movie modern movies just add in post. They add a, an atmospheric buzz to to the soundtrack so that it feels like you're in a real space. Um, but yeah, in, Ar- in old Arizona, it sort of had that naturally. And it was, I think is one of those other reasons why it doesn't feel so old. Like there's just a, a magical quality to it. Anyway, um, uh, the Broadway melody gets two and a half. On all right. List. So out of all our movies, another shame because it is way better than a Broadway <laughs> or the ho- holiday. Let's hear it. Let's hol- see what all, let's see what all four of them got. Did. What all four of them get. All right, so going going through our scoring, the lowest scoring on our list was uh, Alibi with two. Well, the lowest scoring was actually The Patriot, which with a zero. Well, it's got, it got a zero, but we didn't score it, so you know. <clears throat> yeah. So yeah, The Patriot, then The Alibi with two points or two fingers. Uh, the Hollywood, or excuse me, the Broadway Melody got two and a half fingers. And the fucking Hollywood Review cheated and got three fingers. Gotcha. And our highest ranking movie is with. Highest ranking movie with 3.5 fingers is In Old Arizona. It's funny that In Old Arizona actually scores the same as Driving Miss Daisy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so Driving Miss Daisy, good enough to win an Oscar in 1930. Oh, man, if that would have come out in 1930. Well, no, in 1930 with so the racial tensions that are going on in the country. That I don't know if... Revolutionary. Yeah, that would have been... And it's in color? And the Fuck. people weren't even born? Like, come on. Yeah. Uh, she may have been born. Yeah. Uh, by this time. Yeah. Um, anyway, yeah. Like, um, I, I I mean, it's it's settled it with, with a half a point. We lead. switched the motherfucking envelope. We're switching the envelope. To in old Arizona, should have won in 1930 in the second annual Academy Awards. So they've been fucking up since, since the second one. Second at, least. Annual, since, since at least. <laughs> Back in 1930, Al knows what to give us because yeah. he knows where they've messed up. Yeah, he knows where they messed up. Thank you, Al. We were we were you know you, we were so angry at you for making us go back so far, and you know you gave us fucking category that has movies that we can't even watch because they we, don't exist anymore. And but, we hope you know that people will go out and watch these movies. Find them on find them on streaming. Find them on YouTube. Find them wherever you can and watch some of these movies. Find and get an appreciation for some of the movies that. That inspired the movies that you love today, because all the directors, all the actors, all the people that you love today, and some of the older films that we think of as older movies from the '60s and '70s were inspired by these movies yeah. from the '30s and the '40s. So please go back and watch some of these movies. Yeah, you you gain a lot of appreciation for the movies that that um, come after it from watching some of these early things break ground and do revolutionary things, you know, and, you know, go out and watch and watch older movies, like explore, you know, classic cinema. Um, If you get anything from this particular episode, please go out and explore um, classic cinema. And if you want, you know, to continue your sort of appreciation for the histories behind these movies and whatnot, uh, just off the top of my head, I can recommend two specific podcasts that are fantastic for this. Uh, One is you must remember this. 
and the other one is The Secret History of Hollywood. I can't recommend The Secret History of Hollywood enough. I love that podcast. I'm a little scared if Adam Roach ever heard our podcast because he'd probably be like, no. I, I, I would hope that he would be like, no, you guys like are, are still exploring cinema in, in a great way you know, um, modern and, and historically speaking, that sort of carries the why we love movies on. Uh, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> um, so, um, but yeah, go you go listen to those podcasts. Like if you get inspired to watch some of these movies from our podcast, if you liked the, the history that, that was in these podcasts, go seek out those other ones because they're specifically about the history of, of Hollywood and specifically this sort of golden age of, of Hollywood. And it's just hours and hours of endlessly fascinating talk. And if any of you want to um, talk to us a little bit more about the golden age of Hollywood or some cinema that uh, you think we should be discussing, or if you want to suggest an era or a year for the Academy Awards that we can then suggest to our buddy Al over yeah, here. We'll, we'll put it in, in the, the uh, database. Send it to our Twitter at Switch Envelope or our Instagram at Switch the Envelope and let us know. Let us know some, some, uh, some movies you'd like to talk about or if you just want to talk about some movies. Hit us up on our social media. We love talking about movies. <laughs> we love it. That's our that's our that's our bread and butter. It is. It is. It is our favorite pastime. <laughs> so, um, if you liked if you liked the episode before before we we send this off to, to dedication land, I'm not sure that uh, Sam Elliott made a movie in 1929. <laughs> um, we don't always do it to I, Sam Elliott. I mean, you know, sometimes we go to Helen Mirren, but I don't think she made any movies. <laughs> during She's this pretty time. old, man. Yeah, but I don't think she was making movies in 29. Um, you know, if you if you like if you like the, the this episode, if this is the first time you're hearing it, uh, go ahead and hit the subscribe button on wherever you're listening to it. Um, and uh, you know, that's either iTunes or Spotify now or um, Stitcher Radio or pretty much wherever you get podcasts. And uh, like, subscribe wherever you can, um, and leave us a review because that that'll help um, get people to you know get more people to see uh, what other people think of our podcast. And then uh, most importantly, I think, you know, tell a friend, like share, share the show. Like if you want to help this podcast grow, share the show. That is one of the most important things that you can do. Recommending us to other people, spreading through word of mouth is incredibly valuable and we appreciate everybody that does it. Um, and if I see it on social media, you know, we'll be sure to, um, to, to like or retweet uh, you recommending us. Um, we appreciate it immensely. Thank you so much. All right. There's only one thing left to do before we leave. And that is to dedicate this episode to Warner Baxter. Warner Baxter is just the second person to ever win an Academy Award for Best Actor. He won it for the 1928 film In Old Arizona. (laughs) This episode's for you, Warner Baxter. Falling has been a Riff Laugh production.